It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition counseling. You know, I've been saying that for 10 years now. Can you believe that? Every Saturday morning, 10 years. Wow. Time goes fast. It does. I want to share a life-changing story, and this was the results that Mary achieved when she took the Spring Nutrition for Weight Loss series. You know, this is what she talked about on her evaluation. She lost 26.6 pounds and had so many inches she had to buy new clothes. She also shared that she had more energy, better digestion, fewer cravings, better moods, less aches and pains, and best of all, no more sinus headaches. That's huge. You know, yes, it is. You know, Mary experienced the magic of real food. And really, you can too. You can experience that healing power of real foods when you take nutrition for weight loss. You know, part of the magic came when Mary's nutritionist helped her identify her food sensitivities. And we're going to be talking a lot about food sensitivities today. And she taught her about what to eat to avoid those inflammatory foods. And then that magic happened. You know, weight loss happened. She had more energy. She had better moods. And she had no more sinus headaches. So all that was a great story about Mary. But today I'm really pleased to welcome back Cassie Wienis to Dishing Up Nutrition. Cassie's a registered and licensed dietitian who is taking a, just a short break, and we hope very short break from counseling clients to spend more time with their children. But we know everybody loves the way Cassie talks nutrition. Oh, we hear it all the time. <laughs> And so it's really a pleasure to share the mic with her today and let her talk about a topic that is really near and dear to her heart, gluten sensitivities and the connection to health problems and especially to brain health. So, Cassie, welcome to the show. And I know you have a couple of fans out there. Well, I know I have at least two. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that nice welcome. And yes, as the regular listeners know, I need to say hello to my two biggest fans listening back home. So hello to Riley, my almost third grader, and oh my Marissa, gosh. my almost first grader. We only have wow. two weeks before school starts. That's amazing. Yeah, and if they keep growing up as fast as they are, I will be back really soon counseling clients. They, they're and growing up too Cassie, fast. I remember when they were just a thought for you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, I remember when I said yes to the job, and I think the next day found out I was pregnant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> along with several other girls at the office that year. Well, before we get back into the topic, Dar, I do, if you'll let me, I do have a couple other special people to say hi to. Sure. Um, I want to say hello to Joanne. Joanne introduced herself to me before I taught Class 6 of the Weekend Weight and Wellness Series in North Oaks back the end of July. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet lady. She listens to Dishing Up Nutrition, and that's how she found out about us. And she flew in from South Carolina to take the Weekend Weight and Wellness Series. Oh, how great. Isn't that great? But it gets better. 
her daughter flew up from Arizona to meet her. They sort of had a girls' weekend, and her daughter took the classes, too. Oh, how great. That's a great idea for that, people. So fun. So they had a great time here in the Twin Cities. And then, so I want to say hi to her daughter, Katie, in Arizona. And then I want to say hi to Joanne's friend, Russell, from Charleston, because she told me that Russell listens to our radio program regularly as well. And a big thank you to Joanne, Katie, and Russell for listening to the program and yes, supporting us. We appreciate right. that. So back to our topic. Um, as Dar kind of mentioned, our topic is gluten sensitivity and how it relates to brain health. We're going to be talking a lot about depression today, but some other brain problems as well. And, you know, you gave me a, a nice compliment saying people like to listen to me talk. But yes, we they do. But we know the real reason here. That I've been invited is that I come from a family that has celiac disease and gluten sensitivities. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, not not by choice, but by fate. I sort of have an expertise in the area. And some of the listeners already know that my two kids, Mar- Riley and Marissa, both have celiac disease. Riley got diagnosed first about four and a half years ago. So once he got diagnosed, because it is genetic, Mm -hmm. then they recommended the whole family get diagnosed. And that's when we found out that his younger sister, Marissa, has celiac. And we found out that I have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So some people might, right? Yes. And some people might be thinking, well, really, what's the difference? As you said in the break room before the show, Dar, you treat us all the same. Whether somebody has celiac or gluten sensitivity, at the end of the day, the prescription is 100% gluten-free. And that's really what it is, 100% gluten-free. That's the important part. If you wanted to know the specific difference, it's that celiac disease, if you get gluten, your body is having an autoimmune reaction and attacking itself. Mm -hmm. If you have gluten sensitivity like me, you still don't feel good, and it's not good for your health to eat it. So and it can turn into an autoimmune problem for another type of if autoimmune. If you do enough damage exactly. to your intestine. Yes. So, you know, Cassie, I think when people think of gluten sensitivity, most people automatically assume that they have a gut problem. You know, Crohn's disease or GERD, you know, acid reflux, colitis, IBS. And certainly, certainly that can be the case. That was the case with Riley. As you know, Dar, he from day one, I mean, I still remember in the hospital how uncomfortable he was because he had that gastroesophageal reflux or what you just called GERD. So there certainly is that gut connection with gluten sensitivity. But we have to remember that gluten sensitivity can also affect the brain and lead to some pretty serious brain problems. And hopefully by the end of the show today, all of our Dishing Up Nutrition listeners will realize, as you and I well know, Dar, that there is an astonishing link between your brain, neurological disorders, and gluten sensitivity and or celiac disease. Kind of just to go over this one more time, I just kind of want people, listeners, to realize that a gluten sensitivity is not just a gastrointestinal problem. It can affect any organ any organ, I'm saying, any organ. And the brain is an organ, so it right. can affect the brain. Right. And before we move on, um, oh, made myself a little note to define celiac disease here, but I already okay. did that, that that's the autoimmune condition. Okay. But um, I wanted to share with listeners at least 5 to 10% of people with celiac disease have neurological symptoms. Now, that's what's been documented, at least 5 to 10% 
But there are many researchers in the area of celiac disease and gluten sensitivity that believe this number is higher. Some of the experts believe it is more like 50% of people with celiac disease have neurological symptoms or essentially brain problems. I mean, that's a lot of people. When we stop and think about it, you know, one of the things when we throw around these percentages, Cassie, one of the things that I always remember is I know at one time they used to say that 10% of the population had a chemical dependency problem, you know, and so then I think, okay, that's a lot of people. We know that. In fact, in Minnesota, it seems to be have a, it seems like it probably is higher than 10%. But so when we look at 5 to 10% of the people with celiac having a neurological problem, that's a lot that's of a people. a chunk of people. Mm-hmm. So we really realize that gluten sensitivity is not just a gut problem. As really, I think a lot of people, including many doctors, thought that in the past. Right. And again, it can affect any organ. Inflammation starts in the intestinal tract. That's where it starts. But it can spread to joints, and that's arthritis. Mm-hmm. Or it can spread to your thyroid, and that can be Hashimoto's thyroid disease. Or it can spread. To the skin, and it can be acne, it can be eczema, it can be psoriasis, it can be any skin problem. Right, or the inflammation could travel to the nerves and cause neuropathy. That's, or, say that one more time. Right, the inflammation could travel to your nerves and be causing neuropathy. Mm-hmm. So that gluten sensitivity could lead to symptoms that you might relate to MS or diabetes. Or it could travel to the part of the brain that affects your balance and your gait. And now that is really interesting. So it can affect neuropathy and balance and gait. Mm-hmm. You know, again, like you know, we often connect neuropathy with diabetes. You know, because we know that high blood sugar damages the nerve endings, causing numbness, tingling, and they get kind of a burning pain. And that's how people have described it. Right, because we see all the commercials for the medication if you have the burning pain. Pain, yes, but our clients describe that too. Burning pain in the toes and in the feet. And so so certainly that does or can come along with diabetes when your blood sugars are uncontrolled, but now we realize that neuropathy has been linked to gluten sensitivity as well. And this talk about neuropathy and loss of balance, it reminds me of a client that I had Several years ago, and I honestly forget what her exact reasoning was for coming into me, but in, in talking with her, she told me this backstory about how a few years prior, she had started to lose her balance to the point of falling down, and she was getting a lot of numbness and tingling in her feet, went mm-hmm. to a doctor that sent her to a specialist, and this was a young gal, late 30s, early 40s, somewhere around there. She was diagnosed eventually with MS. And she said, I knew in my heart of hearts that I did not have MS. Started doing a little research, found that there could be a gluten connection, gave up gluten 100%. And she said within four to six weeks, all of those symptoms of MS, loss of balance, tingling in hands and feet, it was all gone. And did she get retested? She went back to a totally different clinic that specialized in neurological conditions and asked them to test her. And they went through all the testing, the MRI, everything. They said, absolutely not. You have no signs of MS. Wonderful. Great Great. story. So we already are up against our first break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Now, as always, before we break, we like to give you some food for thought. So here's some good food to, to think about, right, over the break. 
as dietitians and nutritionists at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we're always asking ourselves and discussing why are we seeing so many more people coming to us with one or sometimes several chronic illnesses? Another discussion that we often have amongst ourselves is why is there such an increase of autoimmune diseases in this country? And then we could also ask why are so many more people today either gluten sensitive or actually have celiac disease? I know my grandma would say this disease epidemic was not happening when she was a little girl 80-plus years ago. Now, Dr. Tom O'Brien, who's a gluten ex- gluten researcher, gluten expert, he's been on our show in the past, he believes this chronic disease state might be linked, at least in part, to the overuse of antibiotics. And I can proudly say that for over 20 years, Nutritional Weight and Wellness has been teaching people how taking probiotics can protect our intestinal lining from damage that those antibiotics might incur. And we recommend that you take the probiotic called Bifidobalance every day. I take it. All of my kids take it. And you want that one because Bifido should make up about 70% of all of the bacteria in your intestinal tract. It's also what's found in breast milk. Now, questions about the show today, which is gluten's connection to brain health, call us here at the studio at 651 641 We'll be right back. Want to bring the great information you hear each week on Dishing Up Nutrition to your workplace? Well, you can. Nutritional Weight and Wellness teaches classes at companies all over the Twin Cities. Whether your office is large or small, they have a class that's right for you. Choose a popular lunch and learn class, such as Foods for Great Energy, Stress-Busting Foods, or the Food Mood Connection. Longer classes like Nutrition for Memory and Focus are perfect for wellness days. These fun and formative classes help you make good nutrition choices at work and at home. What happens? happens when you and your coworkers eat healthier foods. Employees notice increased energy, focus, and stable moods. Employers notice less absenteeism, higher productivity, and improved management of chronic conditions. A healthy workplace leads to healthier, happier employees. Plus, it's easier to make good choices or lose weight with the support of coworkers. To bring nutrition classes to your office, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com. Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you missed seeing Brenna Thompson on CARE 11 News last week as she discussed what foods cause heartburns and what foods to eat to avoid acid reflux, you know, you can watch it by going to weightandwellness.com and just click on In the News. It was very helpful information, and Brenna did a fantastic job. And it gives you some information about what causes acid reflux. And I think it's information that will surprise a lot of people. So really, if you're suffering from heartburn, I really encourage you to go watch that segment because you'll probably get some tools you can use to relieve your pain. So should we take a caller? Yes. All right. That sounds great this morning. Let's go to line one. Oh, I think. Did you put her? Jennifer, you're on Dishing Up Nutrition. Did you have a question for us or a story for us? Um, I just have a testimony to share. Good morning, you guys. Good morning, Jennifer. (laughs) Good morning. I'm so glad you guys are talking about this today. I just wanted to share my experience of going off of gluten. Um, I've been 100% gluten-free for two full years. And um, prior to that, I suffered a lot of intestinal trouble, anxiety, depression, um, 
skin trouble. What I didn't realize uh, before I went in for my consultation with Romania and nutritional weight and wellness was that um, a lot of our serotonin, dopamine, and GABA is created in our small intestine. And mm-hmm. so because my intestines were so unhealthy from consuming gluten, um, I was very serotonin deficient. So once I healed my gut with glutamine and um, bifido, as well as getting rid of all the gluten in my diet and also eating serotonin-rich foods, animal protein, five times a day, within about a week and a half, that fog was kind of lifted and I basically quote unquote felt what it felt like to be normal for the first time in pretty much my whole life. Wow, that's amazing, Jennifer. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just I had no idea. I never made the connection. Well, you couldn't have we couldn't have said it better than no. you did. You did a great explanation there of yes, your gut makes a lot of your brain chemicals. So if your gut is unhealthy because you're eating gluten and you shouldn't be, it can cause depression. And right. so, yes, it, again, you know, like you said, it that's where you were making your serotonin. Yeah. And that's where you make your dopamine and GABA and all the other brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. So. And doctors had wanted to put me on SSRIs or antidepressants before, and I had tried those, and those never worked for me because it wasn't, um, helping the problem. Right. And sometimes those drugs made me feel kind of indifferent too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes they always didn't help. Right. And I so. think that's what a lot of people that, you know, take antidepressants, that's a that feeling of fe- being indifferent or mm-hmm. kind of drugged, kind of right. medicated down. Yeah. So you don't have your feelings. Not mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Jennifer's a great example. Like she was describing, she wasn't producing much serotonin because her gut was in such disarray. And if you look at how those SSRIs or, or many of those antidepressants work, they make your your um, neurotransmitters in your brain spit out a bunch of extra serotonin at one time, hoping that some communication will occur. But if you're not making enough in the first place in your gut, you don't have that extra up in out. your brain to spit <laughs> out. So, duh, they're not going to work. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for calling in. I, You said it so nicely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you guys for all you do. You change lives. Oh, oh thank you. What a Great. sweet caller. That was a wonderful <laughs> call. And I hope Romaine is listening. Because, I yes, yes, I do too. Romaine was her nutritionist. And Romaine is taking a little <laughs> break. Like Cassie took a little break to take care of her kids more. And Romaine's taking, her, taking care of her mother right now who had some major surgery. And I'm sure she's... Feeling blessed that you're letting her take that break. She yep. is just a sweetheart. Should we answer that question about vitamins lacking? Sure. Um, somebody we, had called in but didn't want to go on air and was just wondering about what to do when you go gluten-free because you might be lacking some Well, I think there's some misconceptions about yes. that because, first of all, when you go gluten-free, uh, for most people, they suddenly their digestive system starts to work so that they're actually accessing more nutrients out of their food. And I think people forget that you get a lot of nutrients from animal protein. And fruits and vegetables. And fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, that's a great question, and that gets asked a lot, and we do have to look at that. But yet, when you think about, okay, what was I getting from that slice of bread that I'm now not eating? Mm-hmm. Some sugar. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the other things, and I think maybe this caller was wondering about that too, you know, if you've been nutrient deficient because you've been eating gluten, 
it was kind of like what Jennifer said. She wasn't making her brain chemicals, but also you don't you don't access your magnesium for sure. Right. And so then you sometimes have muscle spasms. And Cassie, you don't access your calcium very well either, do you? No, no. Long story short, back in my gluten days, because I had such an addiction to gluten and I was eating a lot of carbs, um, I can look back and I know I was losing calcium because of it. I know because of some medical tests that were run because mm-hmm. I had some issues going on, but nobody, because I didn't know you, Dar, nobody could put those dots together. I was eating a ton of carbs. I was losing calcium in my urine, but yet I was eating dairy and taking calcium supplements at the time. So that gluten can just wreak a lot of havoc and you're usually losing more than you're benefiting from it. So I think this kind of fits in because we were going to talk a little bit about B12 too. What happens yes. when people, you know, that's part that, of... That's part of a gluten sensitivity oftentimes. People that are gluten sensitivity sensitive or have celiac disease and haven't gotten that gluten out yet they often will end up with a B12 deficiency. And did you know B12 deficiency, if it's there long enough, can show up as that numbness and tingling in the hands and feet? And in addition, this is what clients have told me at least, they experience concentration problems. You know, their short-term memory has really become short because <laughs> it doesn't exist. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've heard that in clinical practice numerous times mm-hmm. from clients. And even the Mayo Clinic in a 2006 study found a possible link between celiac disease and memory problems. In this 2006 study, the researchers at Mayo were looking at 13 adults between the ages of 45 and 79 who had all developed memory problems a year or two before being diagnosed with celiac disease. 10 out of these 13 adults had neuropathy. Isn't that amazing? 10 out of 13. 10 out of 13. And what I think is is even more amazing is that when these patients were put on a gluten-free diet, several of them experienced improvements in those neuropathy or those brain-type symptoms, brain problems. That's amazing. Because, you know, I don't know. I know just, you know, working with people right now, neuropathy is so prevalent. I can't, you know... So, yes. So then you got to think, is it the gluten that you're eating? We are, can you believe it, at the halfway mark. So we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we break, I want to let you know that next Thursday night, August 21st, we are teaching our two-hour Jumpstart Your Metabolism class at our Maple Grove office. And some of you might have heard of Dr. David Perlmutter. He is a neurologist and also the author of The Grain Brain. He says in his book, the worst toxins we are exposed to are processed carbohydrates. And he says in the grain brain that processed carbs lead to brain dysfunction. So that all relates to what we're talking about today. Well, if you take this class, Jumpstart Your Metabolism, you'll also learn how processed carbs lead to a slow metabolism and how processed carbs can lead to fat storage. I think, Dar, you said it earlier. If you didn't say it in the show, I know you said it to me in the break room. Diet matters. What you're putting in your mouth day in and day out matters. Now, if you have questions about the show today, which is gluten and the brain, call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. 
You know, I believe people in general are at a place in their development that they understand that there is not a magic pill to fix a damaged brain. I think they are, anyway. Hopefully. Um, I don't know. Some of them are. But there is a but to this. But fat helps to repair the brain. Right. And fat helps with the brain growth. And fat helps with the brain connections. So what fats should we eat to do all the repair work? Well, olive oil is great. Olives, avocado, nuts, butter, heavy cream. And, of course, omega-3 fats from salmon, sardines, mackerel. Omega-3 organic eggs are the egg yolk is great. Right. And grass-fed beef and pork, all very good. Numb. So Making me hungry. So anyway, so we were talking about how diet matters. Yes. Uh, and we have to realize the neurological system is really slow to heal. I think that's, for some people, it may take over a year of strictly mm-hmm. following a gluten-free diet to see improvement in neuropathy. You know, it was Jennifer, she found, you know, just doing a gluten-free diet in a couple of weeks. Some and of that's her, great yes. when it can happen that fast. But, but some it doesn't people always. have to have You know, it patience. can be slow, but by strictly following a gluten-free diet, neuropathy can slowly decrease if it's caused from a gluten sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was that I was hearing speak. I want to say it was either Dr. Thomas O'Brien or Dr. Murray from Mayo. I forget, but they talked about how... You know, we all want a quick fix. Uh We're Americans. If if we take a pill, we should feel better within minutes to an hour. If we give up gluten, why can't we feel better that fast as well? But the way they described it is, you know, for some of us adults, think how long the damage has been going on. You may have been eating gluten for 10, 15 years and it was doing damage. So you think of slowly going up this, this slope, slowly going up, up, creating more and more damage. Well, to come down the backside and get better can be just as slow of a process, but the good news is you can heal, but we have to have patience. But And I think the other way to look at that is if you continue to eat gluten, if you're sensitive to it, you're going to continue to have damage. And so more and in more. Two, two more years, you're going to be in worse shape than if you'd stopped and gone up rather than down some more. Absolutely. Yes. You know, you may not be perfect with all your symptoms, but you're going to be better versus worse. Mm -hmm. And I think we would all choose feeling better. And I like what you keep saying, Dar, diet matters. That's sort of your mantra this morning. And Mm -hmm. this especially becomes evident when we're talking about someone who is experiencing brain problems as a result of eating gluten. For someone like this, as we're talking about, they must strictly follow a gluten-free diet if they want to see improvement. All of this talk about you know needing to be strict about the diet if we're talking about brain problems, it reminds me of a, a little story I'll share with listeners. A couple years back, I was working a booth at a trade show for the support group I'm in, which is raising our celiac kids. So mm-hmm. it was another mom of a celiac child and myself, and we had a booth on behalf of this support group at a food allergy conference. So we're visiting and getting to know each other the whole time. And in our visiting, she was telling me some of her celiac stories. Um, And she talked about her daughter who, when she went on a gluten-free diet, just became a different person. The the girl, the young girl had been very belligerent, naughty, not able to focus well. And when she went gluten-free because they found out she had celiac disease, that all changed almost overnight. So they took the inflammation out of her brain. Yes. Right, right. For her, the inflammation was affecting the brain. 
And they had been gluten-free for maybe a year or so, and they were at this big family gathering at Christmas time. Extended family, it was in a large um, place where there was foods of, tables of food, excuse me, set all around, you know, the Christmas Mm -hmm, treats. mm -hmm. And at one point, the family got a little separated, and this girl, who at that point was six or seven years old, just could not resist, and she grabbed a cookie, and it was not a gluten-free cookie, and she ate it, and her mom didn't know this. And by the end of the night, she was just acting out and being belligerent and mm-hmm. being naughty. And when they were getting in the car to go home that night, the mom said something to her to the effect of, what is going on? And the girl just yelled out, I had a cookie. <laughs> so the girl knew what had happened, and yet she could not control. Yes. So she knew she, she was being naughty, but it. she was out of control because that gluten mm-hmm. was doing a number on her brain. So there is a real connection here. So, you know, Cassie, we promised to talk about the gluten connection to depression today. So the topic of depression cannot be timelier with the recent death of Robin Williams, you know, this past week. Isn't that the truth? Yes. mm -hmm. And if you are one of the many, many Americans that are feeling down and out, you're certainly not alone. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Isn't that... Yes. Astounding. The leading cause of disability. And people spend $15 billion each year on antidepressant medications, things like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft. The list goes on. $15 billion every year Mm -hmm. is spent on those prescription drugs. But get this, a report in the Journal of the American Medical Association said that benefit of antidepressant medication looks to be minimal or non-existent in patients with mild or moderate symptoms, and yet That's, $15 billion yeah. a year. So I kind of believe we need a new look at depression. First of all, you know, it is a brain disorder. So you have to say to yourself, okay, what affects my brain? Could there be a connection to nutrition? Hmm, maybe only nutritionists would think this. So again, we keep Absolutely. saying this, diet matters to your brain. Absolutely. And we've all heard that saying before, you are what you eat. Yes. And you can kind of chuckle at that, but there's a lot of truth to it. Your, yes. Your brain tells you how what you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for years, really, scientists have observed a connection. They, they maybe couldn't put their finger on it in the beginning, but they knew that there was a connection between celiac disease and depression, much like they observe an overlap between celiac disease and ADHD. Mm-hmm. And there's an overlap between gluten sensitivity or celiac disease and neurological problems like the neuropathy and the memory loss we've been talking about. You know, a lot of studies conducted in Sweden, and for some reason Sweden has really been putting out a lot of studies, um, they found a significant link between celiac disease and depression. And one of the studies found celiac patients, people with celiac disease, had an 80% higher risk of developing depression. Wow. You know, in a 2011 article titled, Is Gluten Making Me Depressed? The author, Dr. James Greenblad, found that depression occurred in 52% of gluten-sensitive individuals. Reminds me again of Jennifer's story who called in earlier. Yes. Yes, the gluten is making you depressed for many people, not everyone no, is not for cause? no. That's for sure. So, the next question that comes to my mind: What is the connection between being gluten sensitive or having celiac disease and being 
depressed. And it, it reminds me of several clients I've heard over the years say something to the effect of, you know, if I go out on a Saturday morning for breakfast and eat a big plate of, you know, let's say pancakes, I kind of feel like I have the blues by about two in the afternoon. I agree. I hear that story all the time. Or I have clients that tell me this one. You know, if I pick out on caramel rolls, they feel anxious and depressed a few hours later. Not to mention bloated and sluggish. Right. So you have to say, hmm, what's happening? Right. And we're going to talk about what's happening. We're going to take a little journey down into the gut, but I think we better do that when we come back from our last break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we go to commercial, I want to give you an invite to attend the next weekend weight and wellness series. It's going to be the weekend of September 26th, 27th, and 28th. If you're a nurse, you can receive 14.4 continuing education credits for this three-day series. And one of the really good perks, Nutritional Weight and Wellness will serve you a nice, organic, real food lunch on Saturday You'll get snacks both Saturday and Sunday, and of course, they're healthy, delicious, balanced snacks. The weekend series is going to be held at our Maple Grove location, and I promise you will be inspired by six nutrition educators who all walk the talk that they give you, and they can provide you with many life-changing tips. If you want more information, you can call the girls at the office this morning at 651-699-3438, or you can go to weightandwellness.com. And we'll talk to you again on the other side of the break. Hi, I'm Cassie Weenus, a registered and licensed dietitian from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You may know me from Dishing Up Nutrition, but today I want to talk to you as a mom of two kids with celiac disease, as well as additional food sensitivities, topics near and dear to my heart. Even with all my training as a dietitian, I was overwhelmed when my family had to go gluten-free. My boss, Dar, helped me learn the ins and outs of going gluten-free with real food, and that's when we realized other people need help and direction, too. So we created an online class called Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way. You learn what gluten is, where it's found, and how to be gluten-free at home, at restaurants, and at social events. We teach you how to shop gluten-free and how to make healthy, delicious meals your whole family will enjoy. And it may surprise you that I don't buy many gluten-free products. If you take the class, I'll teach you how simple it is to go gluten-free eating real food. Learn more and register at weightandwellness.com. That's weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. An interesting fact is that our brain is made up of fat, and most of that fat is an omega-3 fatty acid. You know, I believe for most brain disorders, such as ADD, ADD or ADHD, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, the best fatty acid is omega-3 DHA. And a good source of DHA fatty acids, breast milk. That's a great source. And that's maybe not possible for most people. Right. But egg, organic egg yolks is another one, sardines, wild-caught salmon, and a supplement that's called DHA. Brain repair does not happen overnight, and there is not a magic pill. You know, I believe it takes careful guidance from an expert nutritionist with continual support and direction. But the payoff I see daily with clients is that their depression lifts. It's kind of like what Jennifer experienced. Mm -hmm. Focus improves, anxiety decreases, and well-being returns. 
So, you know, call us today for an appointment. It's 651-699-3438. Yes. So should we take a caller? Yes. Joanne has been waiting patiently. Good. That's nice. Thank that. Yes. Thank you, Joanne, for waiting patiently. You're on Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question for us? Oh, I just wanted to know if there's any significant difference between taking the bifidol as a powder or taking it as a, a pill. Well, I kind of, I think that it's going to work better to take it as a powder. It gets absorbed better if you are, I don't know, if you will do that because it's kept in the refrigerator and that's the only downside. So you have to be around where you can consistently do it. Cassie? I find the powder works better for me and I have one child that can't swallow pills. So because of that, all three of us take the powder, but I just notice my cravings kind of creep back in if I'm taking the pills versus the powder, and that tells me I'm absorb- absorbing powder better. Um, I also notice some things in Marissa. If she takes pills versus powder, she does better on the powder. You know, you think about it, that powder goes into your intestinal mm-hmm. tract. It's just there. It's ready to absorb. Your body doesn't have to break down the capsule. So I do think for most people... The powder works better, but again, like Dar said, if you're going to buy the powder and it's going to sit in the fridge because it's a little and more that's inconvenient, would, that's then... what would happen with me. So I always take capsules. Yeah, <laughs> or you can do like my aunt Sari does. She keeps both at home, and if she's traveling or mm-hmm. she's just going to be out running errands a lot one day, she takes the pills, and when she is at home, she does take the powder. And I think that's a nice balance. So oh, that's good. Thank you. I've been taking the powder. I just have to rebuy it. And I'm so grateful to both of you. Oh, <laughs> See, you. And one more thing. When you figure it out per per dosage, the powder is a little better value. Oh, so yes, if that's motivating for you as well. <laughs> it is. You might want to stick with the powder. Thanks for calling, Joanne. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, so I was going to take us down into the gut for anybody that wants to go on a little fun journey. So uh, we were talking about what is happening, what, why this connection between gluten sensitivity and depression. And as we said, we probably need to take a journey into our gut to answer this question. When we say gut, what we're talking about is your intestines. And if we could look into your intestinal tract right now, we would be looking down a very long tube about 20 feet long in the average adult. Isn't that amazing? That's Mm -hmm. all wound up inside of you, 20 feet of tubing. And if that's healthy, if all of that tubing is as it should be, it really should look like you have a shag carpet lining that tubing. Mm -hmm. So imagine the shag. Reminds me when I was a little girl and mom let me rake the shag carpet. I thought that was (laughs) so fun. And why we think of it as a shag carpet, it's it's these little microvilli is their real name that should be growing on the lining of your entire intestinal tract. Sometimes we describe those microvilli as finger-like projections and they trap the food particles so that you can absorb nutrients. So think of some of the important nutrients to your brain like zinc and B vitamins. You need those little finger-like projections or that shag carpet in order to suck up those nutrients. But if you're gluten sensitive, that gluten actually wears down that shag carpet until it's shagless. (laughs) Right. More like Berber. Yes. And the microvilli is destroyed and we have less nutrients that are necessary for good brain chemistry. And it's well documented that if you have a gluten sensitivity, especially if it's the full-blown kind like celiac disease, then gluten will damage the small intestinal tract if you don't get it out of your diet. So like you were saying, Dar, then you're no longer going to have that shag carpet 
it's going to be worn down to more of a flat surface. And this then prevents the absorption of some key nutrients like zinc and B vitamins that help keep the brain healthy. And as Jennifer, our caller early on in the show, reminded us, the damage doesn't stop there. If you are damaging your small intestinal tract, then you're not able to produce all of your brain chemicals. Serotonin and dopamine being two very important ones. And yes, those brain chemicals communicate up in your brain, but we produce many of them down in our intestinal tract if it's healthy. Yes. So let's just take a look at low zinc levels. There is certainly a link to low zinc levels and depression. You know, zinc plays an important role in the production and the use of neurotransmitters. And we're talking about neurotransmitters, the serotonin and the dopamine, the brain chemicals that really support good moods. You know, there was really a fairly famous study, and this was a 2009 study, and maybe it was only read by nutritionists, which found that by supplementing with zinc, depression was reduced in people who had not been helped by antidepressants. It's zinc is wow, really a, interesting. Yeah, yeah, zinc is really a very interesting mineral and has a lot of jobs to do. Yes. So if you're low in zinc, you often crave sugar after meals. So that's a sign. Mm-hmm. If you've got to have dessert, you might be low in zinc. If you're very low, you lose your appetite, and you're not interested in eating. You know, I've actually had older clients who had stopped eating, who get their appetite back with supplementing with 50 milligrams of zinc. Right. You know, zinc affects brain chemistry and brain function. So the next logical question is, how do I make sure I'm getting enough zinc? Our philosophy at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is food first. Whenever you can get your nutrients from food, that's always going to be your best source. And I am proud to say, coming from a, a cattle ranch, mm-hmm. <laughs> my background, that meat is your best source of zinc. So if you can imagine, if you had a dinner similar to mine last night, I had a grass-fed pot roast, and oh. that is one of my favorite meals. So when I ate that grass-fed meat, once that got down into my intestinal tract and was broken down into its smallest components, the zinc from that grass-fed meat is then gathered up by those little finger-like projections I talked about or those microvilli. The zinc is sucked up by those microvilli, gets into your bloodstream, and then the blood eventually shuttles the zinc up to your brain. Perfect. Isn't that perfect? That's a great story. Yeah, and a delicious way to get your zinc. So we know that low zinc affects your appetite. So a question Is an eating disorder a type of depression, or is it low zinc, or is it both? You know, low zinc often shows up as acne, which again shows up in adolescence. Eating disorders also show up in adolescence. Hmm. So is there a connection to low zinc levels in eating disorders? I think so. At least in in a lot of cases. Yeah. And the well known neurologist, Dr. David Perlmutter, I mentioned him earlier. He's the author of The Grain Brain. He stated in his book that depression is found in as many as 52% of gluten-sensitive adults. But we know that adolescents with gluten sensitivity also face higher rates of depression. Well, another interesting thing that um, researchers have all called the gut the second brain. Which I always thought was ingenious. Yeah, the second brain. Now, Dr. Perlmutter now is referring to the intestinal tract or the gut as the first brain because all the feel-good brain chemicals are made in the intestinal tract 
when it's functioning well. And it okay. has that shag carpet. I didn't know that, but I like that even better. Yes. The gut is the first brain. brain. That makes sense to me because you have to have a healthy gut first if you want to have a healthy brain. Yes. So hopefully for the listeners now, it's making sense why a plate of pancakes on a Saturday morning makes them feel sort of down and out. Uh-huh. Or why beer and pizza leads to heartburn and irritability. Or why a sub sandwich that is promoted on the commercials as being so healthy really just can lead to a foggy brain and maybe a loss of balance. Or really why Dr. Perlmutter says processed carbs are toxic to the brain. There are so many brain disorders connected to gluten. And if by listening to us, you are making some connections and realizing that your brain needs to go gluten-free, give us a call. We can help you down that journey. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.